0: seems like a bad dream
1: to me now. But let me start at the beginning.
0: I'm Ted Singer, a guy with rich dreams who was facing a poor reality. As far as I can tell, it all began
1: with some secret meeting in one of those South American countries, still harboring
0: Nazi fugitives from World War II. I was watching the news the other day, and someone said something about the winds of change. <laughs> and it Made me think of it when we did it on Rock Band.
1: Oh yeah, and we were just howling.
0: Yeah, because you're supposed to whistle, and none of us could whistle. And I think we just had <laughs> just enough to drink
1: <laughs> to howl.
0: Yeah, to howl and drive your girlfriend insane.
1: Yeah, she was not pleased.
0: No, she hated it. We were so loud, though. I understand.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. It's just, you know, I feel like you should be able to uh, appreciate good artsmanship. Like us when we howled the winds of change whistles.
0: I agree. And some people just can't take it. (laughs) Um, You know, some people just can't take the Germans.
1: They can't. Maybe particular Germans or particular group of Germans more so than... Just all Germans?
0: The whole country does like to act up from time to time, though. <laughs> so, you know.
1: Uh, yeah, they haven't been acting up too bad lately.
0: They uh, they have their own little anti-mask march things that they get into now.
1: Oh, yeah. I think I've seen something about that. Yeah. But that's, there's, there's a bit of a gulf <laughs> between that and maybe yeah, the activities maybe of the be- mid-20th century. Yeah,
0: what happened before... You know, you gotta keep an eye on them when they start doing stuff like that, because it can go bad pretty quick.
1: Yeah, I mean, ten years or so before 1940, things went pretty bad pretty quick.
0: Yeah, yeah, they did. Oh boy. What were we talking about?
1: Uh, We were talking about Nazis.
0: Oh yeah, welcome back to the Raincoat Report where we talk about Nazis. (laughs) Every week, a different Nazi... Every week, a different week. Every week, a different (laughs) week. (laughs) Uh,
1: I will not promise a different Nazi every week. I will promise a different week every week. How about that?
0: That's a fair compromise.
1: (laughs) This week, we're talking about Blue Ice, directed by Philip Marshak, the director Mm -hmm. of Dracula Sucks.
0: Yes, we covered back many months ago uh, on, to conclude Five Weeks of Fright. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: It was our concluding uh, film of Five Weeks of Fright.
0: Yeah, so um, if you want to know absolutely how Blasted the guy likes to get on cocaine, go back to that episode and uh, listen and learn.
1: It appears that he has once again done a lot of cocaine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think that's part of his style. Yeah,
1: it's a very coconated style.
0: Yeah, it's the same... Thing that kept uh, Stephen King going.
1: Oh, through, through the, uh, Maximum Overdrive.
0: Uh, through the eighties, just in general. I think, yeah. like all those like thousand-page books, yeah, just churned out on I, cocaine.
1: I just think that perhaps it's just easiest to look at in one place when you look at Maximum Overdrive. Oh yeah,
0: that's a cocaine movie. Uh, yes, we'll, it is. We'll get a gram and watch it soon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'll be for our uh, Patreon subscribers. Yeah they get to hear us do cocaine and watch maximum overdrive
0: Uh, they're gonna hear me doing a lot of gross throat stuff (laughs) (laughs) they already do oh yeah we love it (laughs) we can we can't edit it
1: yeah we can't
0: edit it out we don't have that ability you don't have all i don't have the patience for it yeah that's fair uh and sometimes it's impossible Sometimes it is impossible because I'll just be hacking up something while you're making a point.
1: (laughs) Right. So, uh, yeah, this week we're talking about Blue Ice from Philip Marshak. Uh, This is 1985, and I believe this is his last film. It could be. This, and he also directed a segment in Night Train to Terror that came out in 85 as well. Okay, yeah. I don't know, one of these might have been before or after the other, I'm not sure. But this is his last full feature film. We have a pretty delightful cast here, particularly on the male side, because we have, uh, Herschel Savage as the star playing Ted Singer.
0: Yeah, this is the first time he plays a lead in a film we've covered.
1: Yeah, and, uh, he doesn't really get <laughs> cucked in this film.
0: No, not, not really. I was and... surprised.
1: <laughs> so, uh, this is his, uh... Least cucked role that we've covered for yeah, show, so I mean, far. I,
0: I still refer to him as the simp in my notes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, at least this time he gets to fight Nazis.
0: So. Yeah, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as a, a Jewish porn actor, fucking girls not getting cucked and fighting Nazis about as good as you can do.
0: Yeah, that's a perfect day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> We've also got uh, Paul Thomas as Johnny, mm-hmm. Ted's friend. Yeah. Uh, and drunk. We've also got Jamie Gillison here as the big man. We've got Ron Jeremy in a small role as Neil, uh, yep. doing what he does best. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, <laughs> Bill Marigold is a Nazi Wolfgang.
0: Yeah. Francis Papillion. Yeah. He Nazi. was in,
1: uh, was he in Trashy Lady? Yeah, he was
0: the boxer. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, he's the credited as the German stud. I'd
0: agree with that. He's very much a stud. He's uh, a real
1: stud muffin.
0: We got Reggie Nadler's back.
1: Yep, Reggie is back.
0: He was our Van Helsing and uh, Dracula Sucks.
1: Yes, he was. He's uh he's been in a lot of things.
0: Yeah. Over um, the years. Yeah, it doesn't get his dick out in either of these films.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Actually, probably fortunately. Uh, he was in Mark of the Devil.
0: Sweet. You think his dick is as scarred as his face?
1: Uh, I would have to think so, yes. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Helga Sven as Helga the Nazi. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, Shanna McCullough as Dottie, Ted's roommate slash prostitute slash girlfriend. Long Cheney.
0: Yeah, my favorite horn name maybe <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's pretty great uh, yeah. unfortunately he doesn't have quite a quite a long career
0: yeah um, um yeah, the female lead is uh i guess female lead so jacqueline lorians
1: uh yes
0: i don't know much about her um she's a babe though very attractive i think yeah has some wigs yeah yeah <laughs> that we'll learn about
1: We'll learn all about her wigs.
0: (laughs) I've got the wig manager from uh, this film. We're going to zoom him in later (laughs) and talk about all the wigs of Blue Ice.
1: The wigs of Blue Ice. Yes. A special raincoat report report. (laughs) So yeah, this is uh, quite a film and uh, we will cover that uh, with you here shortly. Uh, I wanted to tell a little story
0: uh-huh. A personal
1: story that's unrelated to any of this, but it's something that I haven't talked to anybody about, and it wasn't really worth talking about until now. And even then, it's probably not worth talking about. I just found it amusing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm probably gonna cut a lot of that wind up out because it's not worth ta- saying. Yeah, um, you're
0: like undersold your story. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really oversold. You over and undersold it.
1: <laughs> so, I have been on a somewhat frequent basis getting Domino's pizza every Friday. Yeah, uh, and it's a tasty delight that I like to end my work week with. Sure, and uh, it's great.
0: Yeah, we all love Friday Domino's. Or at the bosses. <laughs>
1: So, uh, I've been getting carryout because I find the deals available for carryout meals to be better than okay. those available for delivery.
0: Did and we get I a also... Domino's sponsorship? Is that what you're winding up to?
1: So, Domino's has bought the podcast. Excellent. Uh, no. Uh... Okay.
0: They're going to drop us once they find <laughs> out I ghosted them. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oh, that guy. Well, fuck this.
1: Maybe that's why they're not returning my calls.
0: Well, that's probably it.
1: Yeah, so, uh, so I've been eating a lot of Domino's. That's that's the important part. Uh, but like a few months back, I noticed that like I went into Domino's, and one of the workers there just handed me my pizza without me having to talk to anybody. And I was like, shit. That means I go to Domino's so much that I'm a regular, and they know who I am, and uh, and my order. And they just carry it up to me. And, you know, in one way that's convenient. But I just keep thinking to myself, man, this is a sign of how fat and how terrible uh, at eating I am.
0: Yeah. It's a uh, lot of Domino's. Yeah. A lot of pizzas. But, you know, they're delicious.
1: So, this continued to happen. And there was this uh, this woman who works there who's the one who does it every time. And I Ooh. thought that's weird like and i start thinking to myself do i know this person perhaps and i can't tell for sure because in addition to my general face blindness everybody's
0: got a mask on
1: everybody's got a mask on so i don't know who it is and maybe if i saw the rest of her face i would like recognize her but i can't place it at all just looking at her but like this has continued to happen for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks I'm the type that in my head I just joke about it Oh, she, she really digs me. I'm, I need to invite her over. <laughs> uh, you know, we could uh, have a, a polyamorous relationship with my girlfriend. I'm sure my girlfriend would love that.
0: You and the pizza girl?
1: <laughs> me and her. <laughs> and the uh, hot and saucy pizza girl from Domino's. <laughs> who uh, is probably not that hot or saucy, but I can't tell for sure <laughs> because of uh, her wearing that mask. Oh, Sorry. Because I don't know what she looks like.
0: <laughs> well, life's really tough.
1: It really is. But, you know, odds are she, It. I don't know. But, like, I noticed that, like, I've never seen her just randomly pop an order over to any other customer. Or any other worker there. Yeah. So, it just seemed odd to me. Yesterday, I went to Domino's. And I showed up and, you know, there was a guy in front of me and he placed his order and he had to pay. And I was just kind of standing there waiting behind him. And then uh, when the lady was done helping him, you know, I looked around and I noticed that that, that woman uh, was not there, at least from what I could tell. So yeah. I was like, OK, I'll just have to go to the counter and tell them my name and just not get it handed to me this time. No big deal. So I get up to the counter, and I say my name out loud. And this woman who works at Domino's walks out of the office that she had been hiding in, grabs my pizza, and then hands
0: it to me. What is going on?
1: I don't know.
0: This is baffling.
1: So I'm... Yeah, now that event specifically has just puzzled me to the point that I thought it was worth bringing up. Because, like, before... It was just a funny thing in my head that was either a sign of me being a fatty or just a weird happenstance or something. But now it's just weird because she knew my name. And I mean, granted, my name's on the pizza. She sees it
0: every Friday for at least a year. (laughs)
1: right? (laughs) Basically. (laughs) So, I mean, but like, it's just, I don't know. It's weird.
0: She handles your account specifically. She's been assigned to it.
1: (laughs) They realize that I'm such a big contributor to their overall profits every year. That yeah,
0: that they have to like yeah, they have you have your own account manager. (laughs) 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 I think that's it. Oh, Domino's just the nuts and bolts of it.
1: Were you uh, interacting with the customers at Domino's when you worked there?
0: Uh, Unfortunately, yeah, I would have to sometimes at the register and take their money
1: did you ever find uh yourself just handing things or did you find anybody there just uh recognizing the people coming in and handing them their orders
0: no i was only there for two weeks but no it never you know it's a random shit show there was no one stalking me <laughs> to deliver food to me at the dominoes
1: okay fair enough yeah I don't know. It's a strange story.
0: Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to develop on that later and you'll figure you'll get to the, to the root of it one day.
1: Yeah, one of these days we'll figure it all out and it'll have all been because my life's a full Truman Show type situation.
0: <laughs> You're going to um get your legs broke. Oh yeah. There's going to be a misery situation. Shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, let's hope it doesn't come to that.
0: Yeah. Should we uh, take a quick break?
1: Yeah, we'll go ahead and we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about blue ice. (laughs)
0: Yeah, was <laughs> a long break
1: uh, Well, w- welcome back to the Raincoat Report <laughs> Thank you Let's talk about blue ice Let's
0: talk about blue ice So,
1: so it opens with a shot of the Golden Gate Bridge uh-huh. And uh, we get a blue ice graphic on the screen
0: Cold Diamond
1: In a, a diamond, yes Oh yeah So we get this noir voiceover <laughs> throughout the film By Ted Singer, our star here
0: Oh yeah, Herschel Savage
1: uh, Played by Herschel Savage he talks about how it all started with a secret meeting in a south american country harboring world war ii fugitives yeah we have uh two guys with the uh, last name stuttgart Uh one Uh is anton stuttgart uh, played by reggie nadler yes and then we also have manfred stuttgart played by long cheney yes uh, who also plays the role later on of Mr. Wilkins, which we'll get to.
0: Okay, I wondered who played the old man. I think they gave him maybe a different name under the credits, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might be, yeah. Yeah, to, to trick us, to deceive.
1: So, we first get introduced to uh, Manfred, the nephew, played by Long Chaney. Um, we see him and two guards— uh, one is Bill Marigold as Wolfgang. The other one is uh, Francois Papillon uh, playing the German stud. As Manfred makes his way to uh, this place, he's greeted by Helga, a uh, woman Nazi. Um, I think she's even got the, uh, the swastika armband going. Yeah. So we, we know exactly what her deal
0: is. These uniforms um, look better than the ones in Prisoner of Paradise.
1: Yes, for sure. They look
0: a lot more, um, I guess, I don't want to say impressive, but they look more, like, real. Authentic? Yeah, more authentic than the stuff that was going on there.
1: In the voiceover, Ted refers to Helga as half-Fraulein, half-Führer.
0: Yes. Oh, Wong Cheney does get credited for both in the film credits. Oh, okay. Just interesting, because they changed Anton or Anton to uh, Detlev von Berg.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: So, you know, sometimes you use the real name, sometimes you use a fake name, whatever.
1: Uh, our voiceover narration talks about how they're j- testing a new sex drug on some common girl they picked up. Yeah. They talk about how Anton Stuttgart uh, was given the assignment to create a sex drug that turns virgins into nymphomaniacs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it made the loss of sexual stimulation unbearable to the subject. He notes in the voiceover that uh, Anton Stuttgart had fled Europe to South America and reported to the, the the higher ups in the in the Nazi regime.
0: Yeah, which is they actually that's what they actually did. A lot of them, right? Yeah, they came here and they uh, came to America. Yes, through uh, through the friendly help of our government, <laughs> <laughs> so we could put so we could put people on the moon.
1: Yes. <laughs> Uh, boy. So, uh, this was all part of a plan to restore the Third Reich, apparently. Yes. So, we see Helga and the two Nazi guards grab uh, this common woman, who I believe is the woman credited as the nymphette, uh, Adrienne Belair, Mm -hmm. um, who was only in like five or six movies, I noticed. Uh, This being the last one. Sure. At least the last two release. Right, right, right. So they lay this woman down on the mattress on the ground as uh, Stuttgart, uh, Anton Stuttgart, drinks and watches. There's a dude on the piano playing through this entire scene. Yeah. So uh, Wolfgang, one of the Nazi guards, starts to suck on Helga's tits while the German stud is kissing her. The stud fucks the nymphette a bit and comes on her ass. And uh, Wolfgang comes on Helga's tits while yes. this is going on.
0: Helga has large tits. Yes, she does. They're pretty nice. Indeed. They're, they're fine pair.
1: Fine pair, indeed. <laughs> Singer in our voiceover explains that the second part of the plan was recovering an ancient book, the Borgen Gelder.
0: Yeah, I think that's correct.
1: We get... Anton Stuttgart talking about it at length, but I couldn't really hear it very well what he was saying. Yeah. I think it's a mixture of the actual sound design and his accent working yeah. together. Yeah,
0: And I think he kind of lapses into German occasionally, it seems okay. like. So yeah, there's a lot of talk going on, a lot of uh old like stock footage of like Nazi marches and like Hitler speeches and stuff. Right. That's being slopped down over it.
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Yeah,
0: there's a lot happening in the scene. It's in like this... a
1: long scene, but I didn't actually get anything out of it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's like a, it's a really packed like six minutes. Yeah, so it's not even like that much of the film, right? But yeah, uh, basically we've got uh, Nazis hiding in the South American jungle doing uh, like MK Ultra type experiments on people with uh, drugs they've made. And also now there's an occult book involved. So this is all pretty much what the Nazis have been up to since World War II anyway. (laughs) So it's pretty accurate. Uh, Interesting to see in a film like this. uh, Because occultism became like really part of like neo-Nazi mythos. Oh, yeah. uh, After uh, like the fall of the Third Reich and everything. One of the normal myths you'll hear And you'll hear from, like, non-Nazis, too, is that Hitler was looking for the Spear of Destiny, which is the spear that stabbed Jesus in the side. Yeah,
1: yeah, I've heard Um, that.
0: Yeah, you probably heard it from Wolfenstein.
1: Well, yes, in fact, the sequel to Wolfenstein 3D was titled The Spear of Destiny. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's where I learned about it as a kid, too. Excellent. Yeah, um, so all that stuff. uh, Some of them take it pretty seriously. They get pretty out there with it. Right. So uh, it's interesting to see that kind of Indiana Jones sort of... Nazi occultism crop up in a porn film.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something I didn't quite expect to show up here.
0: Yeah, I didn't expect that we'd ever have a film uh, that started out this way. And it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and but also it's worth noting that we've gone like six minutes into this movie, and while we've had voiceover from our main character, we haven't actually really met him yet.
0: No, that's all about to change.
1: We cut to a bar ted singer is dealing cards and uh on this night the big man came in the big man being played by jamie gillis Mm -hmm. uh he has brought with him a woman named messina who ted is immediately drawn to he says that she had the kind of eyes that could look right through you the big man's playing cards at the table that ted's at and after several hands he eventually gets pissed off and leaves Um, We see Paul Thomas in the background. He's Johnny. At first, I thought he might have been, like, one of big man's guys. Yeah. uh, He apparently isn't. He's actually Ted's friend.
0: Yeah. It seems weird in the casino to just let some guy just stand behind you who's a friend of the dealer. Right. But uh, I guess that was fine. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't seem like Paul Thomas is in a state to, like, make any kind of, like, signals or calls to, like, let you know. Right. (laughs)
1: We see Messina, uh, again, the big man's girl that he brought with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Messina approaches Ted Singer at the bar, apologizing for big man's temper. She invites him to touch her diamonds, uh, which are between her breasts. Yes. Uh, She says that she's just waiting for big man, but then she basically immediately just starts going down on Singer
0: Yeah, she wants some savage sausage.
1: Yeah, and she got it. Yeah. She's going at it for a bit, giving a nice blowjob here, and she stops to tell him that the big man wants to see him tomorrow and that she'll have someone pick him up. Uh, But she eventually finishes him off into her gloved hand, gives it one last big suck, and then uh, takes off her glove and drops it and says that she'll see him tomorrow. So, in response to this, Ted Singer picks up the glove and starts to run it through his fingers.
0: Yeah. It's uh, pretty gross. (laughs) Don't do that, Ted.
1: So, we then see Singer showing up at... The big man's place, and uh, big man's in a robe just watching TV, and my first thought is this place is not as fancy as I expected the big man's place to be.
0: No, it looks kind of fancy from the outside, but once you're inside, it's pretty uh, pretty dingy.
1: Yeah, I think maybe they were able to shoot outside some rich person's house, but not inside.
0: They wouldn't let him in.
1: Yeah, they didn't want him to cover it in loads.
0: Yeah, which is bound to happen. Right. (laughs)
1: As Singer starts to talk to the big man, he claims that he hasn't met Messina, which the big man seems to know better. He tells Singer that he's got balls, and he gets to the point, though, and asks if he's heard of the Borgengelder? (laughs) Whatever it is.
0: Yeah. The book. Yeah, the book.
1: (laughs) He tells Singer that he wants him to get the book for him and says it's a book of prophecies. He says that he'll give Singer 10 grand up front and then another 90 when he gets it back. Uh, and he gives him the address of the place where it's at. And of course, uh, Singer seems a bit concerned as to why uh, he's getting all of the information and they're trying to pay him 100 grand for this still. Essentially, the big man wants it because Messina wants it, and whatever she wants, she gets. Uh, but he won't go to the bookstore himself.
0: No. That's for nerds.
1: <laughs> that's fair. I can see Jamie Gillis not wanting to go to the bookstore. <laughs> um, at this point, Messina just starts to blow Big Man. And uh, Ted seems a bit annoyed by this. Uh, noting some guys have all the luck in his internal monologue. And he leaves the
0: place. He gets a little cucked there. Just oh, just a little bit. It's... Sort of. Gets a little uh, sad boy action.
1: I mean, I guess it's a little sad boy action, but I, I don't know if it qualifies with cucking because she's a big man's girl anyway.
0: That's true, but
1: there's no there's no official the, attachment.
0: It's a Jesse's girl situation. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, he wishes he had big man's girl.
1: <laughs> Where can he find a woman like that? so uh, she keeps blowing big man and he's playing with her tits and then she uh, bends over the couch uh, across from him and he comes up and starts to lick her ass and vagina Uh, and she climbs onto the bed and he's back to eating her ass and they basically fuck here but what's weird is this is cut together all wrong like there's some shots of him on a bed and some shots of him on the floor and I feel like they're trying to cut it together as one mm-hmm. scene, and it doesn't really work. I yeah. mean, you could see it as a montage, but I don't think that was the intention.
0: No, I don't think so. Uh, they're on a waterbed, though.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: in and, some shots. Yes, in some <laughs> shots. And she was lucky to not puncture it with her heels.
1: Uh, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, there's good sex in this scene. Jamie yeah. Gillis always giving it his all, but this is edited together weird, for sure. Uh, but, you know, it's it's certainly good. He lays her down on the floor and fucks her missionary and then pulls out and comes on her pubes. He uh, pulls his dick up by her head and she licks the cum off of his cock as well. Hell yeah. Full service. We see Singer driving and he gives more of his background about how he's sharing a place with a working girl. He has this weird sort of relationship with her, but not officially... He says that she's always bringing home the wrong crowd. We see Singer walking into the building, and we then we cut to Ron Jeremy sexually assaulting a sex worker, as he's known to do.
0: Yeah, that's his M.O.
1: This is Ron Jeremy playing Neil. Yeah. Who is a uh, demanding and not consents concerned uh, John. Yes. Uh, he starts to fuck her, and she says that it hurts, and he says that it's supposed to. He says that he's gonna fuck her so hard that she's ill for a week.
0: I don't know what that means.
1: I don't know, but he said it.
0: Yeah, it's frightening.
1: He fucks her doggy style, and then lays her on this white fluffy couch or something, and titty fucks her, and fucks her mouth. He starts to give her instructions, telling her to lick, her, lick his balls, and... Uh, suck on it this way and all of that. And finally he comes in her mouth just as Ted Singer walks in. At that point, Neil says, I'm not done with her yet. But Ted Singer tells him that he shot his load, now he needs to get the fuck out.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to yell at at someone at work eventually.
1: So we go from that <laughs> immediately to a cut of Ron Jeremy in a gi about to fight
0: Singer. Yes, he Singer. rips off like his Shirt or whatever And he's yeah, he's in a gi Right Yeah I love it
1: <laughs> So uh, He's Like shadow boxing And posing And stuff And uh, Singer just breaks A bottle over his head And drags him off Somewhere Yeah And just somewhere Just
0: out of the apartment I yeah. reckon
1: uh, Then he goes back in So this was a definite Indiana Jones moment Here
0: Yeah Definitely I was waiting for him To shoot him <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ted confronts uh, his roommate, and this is Dottie, again, played by uh, Shannon McCullough. He confronts her about bringing people like that into their place and tells her to do her shit in her room, and she cries and leaves. Uh, we get some more San Francisco exterior shots, and then we see Manfred Stuttgart showing up at a place, calling his uncle Anton. And that's it for that scene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Singer shows up at the bar from earlier, and we see Johnny, again Paul Thomas' character, playing piano. He sits down next to Singer and uh, pours them both drinks, and uh, Johnny is drunk, as he is in this entire film.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, except for a point where I guess he probably wasn't drinking, but we'll get to that later. Uh, He said that he noticed that Ted had been watching Messina uh, and keeps pushing the point with Singer. Uh, Singer tells him that he's got a girl already, referring to Dottie. And Johnny says something about how he's going to make a big score. Ted's being kind of dismissive of him. Ted in his monologue notes that he's heard that a million times, uh, that he's got a big score. But he does note that Johnny could always read him, referring to uh, him in Messina, or Mm -hmm. his attraction or interest in her. So then we see Ted going to this bookstore on H Street where he's calling for Mr. Wilkins. Yes. Uh, again, Mr. Wilkins is played by Long Chaney, the same guy who plays uh, uh, Manfred Stuttgart. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's just wearing like an old man mustache and beard and yeah, hair.
0: Yeah, yeah, and a goofy hat. Uh,
1: so he approaches the guy and says that he's looking for the Borgengelder, and Mr. Wilkins reacts really big to this and explains that it said whoever has it can rule the world. No one knows where it came from. It's been sealed and it's unopenable. Mm-hmm. Then he offers to show him a picture. Yeah. He pulls out this drawing, the sketch of it, and talks about how it's built and how there's twelve diamonds on it. He tells him that the Bolgengelder means Earth Ending.
0: Yeah, that's what it means. I guess he also says it's like the part of the book of revelations that wasn't supposed to be written down. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then God sealed it up. And if you ever opened it, you wouldn't be able to read it.
1: Yes, that's true. But
0: the book of revelations was written in Greek. Yeah. So I imagine someone could read it. Perhaps, perhaps maybe it's written in some kind of angel language. And then I don't know. I don't know the myths of this book uh, because it's fictional and there's no, uh, way to research it.
1: <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I'm just being, I'm being pedantic. Uh,
1: as he's talking about the book, he notes that one of the diamonds on the cover is missing. Singer asks how he knows that, and then Mr. Wilkins coughs and sits down, telling him to forget about it. Um, after more pushing, he finally admits that he had the book for nine years, and he got it from Samuel Cummings, who gave it to him for safekeeping. But he took it back last year so singer thanks wilkins and leaves so singer is talking to himself in his narration and says that perhaps the big man wants the book for the stones on it rather than anything else Uh, but he was concerned about the old man's behavior as they were talking to it Uh, we cut to mr wilkins uh, at the table that he was at earlier And we see uh, him get snatched up in like a noose by somebody or at least like a piano wire or rope or something. Yeah,
0: he's like a little, yeah. Choked with something around his neck. Choked to death. Yeah, he's been strangled.
1: We then see Singer showing up at an address that I guess Wilkins had given to him uh, for this Cummings fellow. A blonde woman answers the door in a towel. She tells him that Samuel Cummings is dead and that she's busy, but... Singer just follows her into her house and into the steam room in there.
0: Yeah, a little sauna. uh,
1: Where she, at this point, is completely naked. Yeah. Looking mighty fine, mind you.
0: Yeah, you can't be dressed in a sauna. It's too hot.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's It's full steam.
1: He keeps asking her questions about the book and she says that she knows where the missing diamond is but she doesn't want to talk about it. It's at this point that she asks him if he always does saunas with his clothes on we then see johnny show up at singer's place banging on the door dotty answers and he says that he's looking for ted but he's trashed and dotty tells him that ted's not there johnny's basically just gonna wait for him i guess so he just kind of slouches down in the hallway drinking sliding down to the floor
0: why is he drinking himself to death
1: Um, I don't know. I guess he's just a drunk and that's it. There's no backstory to that. There's usually more to that story, uh, but But not in the world of blue
0: ice. No, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we cut back to the steam room and Singer is naked except for his hat. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Uh, he makes out with the woman there and we get a quick cut to the Nazis uh, Was Singer narrating that he'd later found out that this wasn't Cummings' daughter, as had been implied, but a, actually a Nazi plant. Yes. Planted for what?
0: To I don't know. give him one of the stones. Oh, yeah. Because doesn't he find, like, the stone afterward? I don't know. Sorry. He
1: gets the stone, but, like... I don't know why the Nazis want him to have it.
0: I don't know. I don't know why the Nazis are just wandering around San Francisco dressed as Nazis. I guess I it's... guess
1: maybe they gave him the stone so that he could lead them to the book. Yeah. Okay.
0: I don't really Because
1: he was looking for the stone, but how did they know he was looking for the stone? I don't so really far?
0: know. I don't know. Uh someone killed Wilkins, so obviously they're on the trail.
1: Alright, we'll tie this together. We'll yeah. try to tie it together later. Because yeah. there's other things that we would have to bring up, but the, I'm not going to the yet. comings
0: and goings of Nazis aren't for you to understand. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, so we see Singer naked in his hat, and the woman's blowing him, and they 69 a bit. They fuck in various positions, and he keeps asking her book questions, uh, and she finishes him off with her hands. She says, baby, what a load.
0: Yeah. And uh, Plum tuckered me out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so she gives him the jewel and gives him another address telling him that's for Stuttgart.
0: See, I don't understand why she like, if she's a plant, why did she give him the jewel and then roll on him on the Nazis immediately?
1: I don't know. I, I, don't I guess know it's if...
0: to lure him into this web that they've set, but they really don't seem to have set a web.
1: Yeah, and, like, yeah, they can get him, but they could have also just snatched him up.
0: Yeah, they could have got him, like, when he left the bookstore.
1: Because I was thinking that they were going to use him to lead them to the book, but if she's just sending him to them...
0: They don't have the book.
1: (sighs) Okay, so, uh, anyhow... Of course, Singer doesn't know that, but, anyhow...
0: uh... (laughs) (laughs) We know it, and we have questions...
1: Ted brings the stone to a fence, and uh, he apparently said that he hadn't seen anything like it. We just kind of get this outside shot of him walking into a pawn shop or something. Right. But uh, that's per the narration. Uh, he then meets with Messina.
0: Whose wig is changed into an incredibly powerful mullet.
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> she tells him that Wilkins was strangled, and Singer's shocked by this. He tells her that he met Cummings' daughter... Uh, Messina asked multiple times if she has the missing diamond, which he hadn't mentioned that it was missing. Um, but he keeps saying no. She keeps pressuring him and asking if he's really trying to find the book and everything. So, kind of strange. In the narration, we hear him talk about how he should have seen that the net was closing in around him. Then we see at Stuttgart's place anton's talking to manfred over the phone and then we cut to johnny who's tied up yes sort of he's not really tied up
0: he has his hands on some big hooks yeah he He. has
1: these he has his hands grabbing these big hooks
0: yeah and thank uh, you for the visual demonstration
1: yes our listeners (laughs) will appreciate it very much (laughs) um But uh, he's also being tortured by Helga with a blowjob.
0: Yeah, which uh, doesn't seem like torture to me unless she's just been blowing him constantly and he's all chafed raw.
1: Yeah. uh, He
0: is bloodied, though, so they've been doing something else to him.
1: Yeah. Uh, Manfred and Wolfgang are talking about how their plan is coming together and stuff. Uh, Helga finishes Johnny off and uh, keeps going. So we have some uh, post-orgasm torture here. Oh,
0: okay. There's a little bit of that. Okay, all right.
1: But yeah, he's covered in marks all over.
0: And he does keep calling her like a kraut bitch or something (laughs) like that the whole time.
1: So we see uh, Messina walking around a room and Singer's naked on a black circular bed. This is one of those weird cuts because we didn't see whatever was going on here at all.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, this is the part of the film where I start to think that like, some scenes are missing or out of order right, uh, or something like that. Just because things just sort of get jumbled, like events just kind of get jumbled in a way where they are never really explained. Right. Like it would have made sense to uh, maybe you've just combined the scene with Ted and Messina. Right. Into just one and then go to Johnny getting tortured. Right. Um, but I don't know i'm not doing a mountain of cocaine so i'm not (laughs) i don't know uh
1: he asks her if she's heard of stuttgart he notes that he might have the book uh he says that before he goes he should finish what he started and so she gets into bed with him and she starts to undress she tells him to give her everything he's got so he starts to kiss her midsection pulls down her panties and stuff uh he gets on top of her in bed and they make out and then he goes down on her. They 69. Uh, they fuck Doggy and Missionary and finally he pulls out and drops a thick load on her. <laughs> he kisses her and rubs her a bit. And we cut to Stuttgart who apparently was told what Singer looks like and what Messina looks like. Um, but uh, Stuttgart, that being Anton specifically, he... Um, was only interested in messina and notes could she be the woman he met 40 years ago this is all told in narration so again this is kind of like just tying together things in the film that aren't really explained in the actual scenes Mm -hmm. so we see ted back at his apartment and Dottie's giving him shit for not being there she mentions that johnny was looking for him Singer gets into these drawers and tapes something on his like uh, arm, and pulls out a gun to take with him.
0: I think it, does he, I think he tapes a diamond to his arm. Okay. I think that's what it is. Just so that it's makes sense. not like in his pocket or whatever. I guess I don't really I guess.
1: Know. I like I couldn't understand what he was taping, and I was like, I'll figure this out here later. That'll come into play. And then it didn't, so the diamond, I guess, makes the most sense, because I don't know what else it would be.
0: It's got to be the diamond.
1: Yeah, he pulls out a gun to take with him, and Dottie's really concerned that he's taking his gun. Uh, She asks him if she'll see him later, and he says, hopefully. Uh, Just as he's about to leave, she stops him and tells him that when Johnny was there earlier, he got rough. Yes. He asks what she means, and we get a cutaway to Johnny drinking in the hallway. And then he ambushes Dottie in the shower and forces himself on her.
0: Which isn't on. Do what? It's not on. Shower.
1: Oh, the shower isn't on. The shower
0: isn't on, no. (laughs) Just to keep note of that kind of thing.
1: That's right. So uh, he forces himself on her, and we don't see her graphically getting raped here, but we see him grabbing her and talking about how he wants her. So, and I'm not sure if it's implied that it happens or if he just kind of collapses in the tub from drinking.
0: <laughs> right. I'm
1: not sure what's happened, if we, if it's cut out part of the scene or if it's just that that's as far as it got. It's a mystery. He collapses in the tub and is just drinking from there as Dottie cries at the end of the tub. Ted hugs Dottie, tells her not to work tonight, and tells her that she'll see him later. Then we cut to the Nazi house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Helga's with Messina. She's on like a medical bed or something. And Helga tells her that it looks like the drug is working and un- undresses her. Messina's making out with Helga. And then the German stud comes over.
0: Why are all the kidnappings off screen? I don't know. you think that at least one they would establish that someone's been kidnapped.
1: I mean, this is this is a recurring issue with this director.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: I mean, it's only two films that we've seen, but there is kind of uh, looking to be a pattern.
0: Yeah, he's got some problems when it comes to editing.
1: So uh, she starts to blow the German stud as Helga's rubbing her vagina and tits. Yes. Singer shows up at a place looking for Stuttgart, and that appears to be the same place. Yep. Um Helga yeah. and the stud are still going at Messina inside As Singer just lets himself in this place
0: Yeah, uh, the stud I don't know if he had it in Trashy Lady But he definitely has a butterfly tattooed on his ass now
1: Oh, yeah Yeah,
0: that's how you know it's uh, Francois Yes um, On another note I think this is the same house from Pretty Peaches 2 Okay Where Ron Jeremy uh, and Jamie Gillis live Uh-huh Because. uh It's just full of crazy crap. And it's like a lot of like similar crazy crap. Right. Um, Like there's like a living, like doll kind of animatronic thing. And I I think there was one of those in that. I don't know if it's the same one, but good money, it probably is. Or that house has multiple.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, You're probably right.
0: Yeah. Um, And since they were both, I think, shot in San Francisco, it just adds up.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: It's the house you go to. You need a bunch of crazy crap in the background. Right. It works.
1: So yeah, uh, Singer walks in front of that weird animatronic cloud, and it starts laughing, and uh, he gets caught by Manfred and Wolfgang. Manfred explains that there's someone he wants Singer to meet. Uh, We see that the German stud is plowing Messina pretty hard. Uh, She blows him a bit, and he finally comes on her face. Then we cut to Johnny, chained up still. Manfred asks Singer if he knows this man, referring to Johnny, and Singer denies that. Manfred says that he knows better and says that Wolfgang's been trying to learn the location of the book from Johnny for two days. Singer, at this point, decides to get into an argument with his kidnapped friend.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem like the time for it, but I guess you gotta address it at some point.
1: But uh, he starts to yell at him for raping Dottie. Johnny says that Dotty was his, and Singer says that he lost her, so she's not his. Yes. Uh, the argument isn't that she's not property, it's just that he's she's not his property.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. She's, uh, she's Ted's property.
1: Exactly. Wolfgang then takes Singer into the next room where Messina is. Singer starts to struggle with Wolfgang and shoots him and Stud, killing them, and then chokes out Helga. Oh, yeah. Uh, Messina is collapsed on this leather lounge table bed that she's been on. Mm -hmm. He stirs Messina awake and then goes into the next room and rescues Johnny, who was absolutely definitely just holding the hooks that he was on. Yes. You could tell that he just let them go yeah, he let when he them was go. let free.
0: He was kept there by his own lack of will.
1: Unfortunately, it may be too late for Johnny. as He says, beware, beware of, beware of blue ice. And then he dies. Yes. He was jerked off to death. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Hilda yeah. jacked him to death. Yeah, he came his life force away. Yeah. That's why he couldn't let go of those hooks. He was too weak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Singer notes in the narration that the book seemed to drive the people around it crazy. We see Anton making a phone call, but he's getting no answer. Through narration, Singer tells us that he dropped Messina off at her apartment. Then we see him back at his place laying down with Dottie. He tells her that people are dead over a blue diamond then he confesses that Johnny died. He doesn't know why. He said, maybe it's something he took. <laughs> maybe it has to do with him being captured and tortured. Ted asked Dottie if Johnny had told her about his big score. But there weren't any details to give here. No. Uh, as Dottie and Ted caress, he starts to think back to Messina. We get flashes of him with her. At this point, Dottie stops him and tells him that Johnny left a bag over there and said he was coming back for it. Singer opens it up and looks. He says, blue ice. And he tells her that it's the Bolgan Gelder. And that's what he's uh, been talking to him about this whole time.
0: Yeah. How did he get the book? Johnny, I guess. How did Johnny get it?
1: I mean, Johnny got it. I don't know.
0: We don't know. We don't
1: get told anything.
0: We don't get told a lot.
1: Johnny was trying to help his friend get his thing that he wanted, I guess. But I don't kind know of, how...
0: but j- he didn't even know. Yeah, I know that Ted said Johnny could read him, but that's a very specific read.
1: Right. He, Johnny didn't know that he was looking for the Bolgan
0: Gelder. No, yeah, he did not. That was not established at all.
1: So we cut to Big Man playing pool. A little more Jamie Gillis later in the film. Singer shows up and starts to talk to him, and the big man thanks him for saving Messina, says it's a shame they couldn't find the book. Ted confirms again with big man that the deal was that he would get 100 k total if he had the book. The big man says, well, you don't have the book. But he says, I'll give you 10000 more. You know, just for the hassle, I guess. So, Ted opens his bag and lays down the book on the pool table. The big man's really excited by this and laughs. They walk off together, and just as they round the corner, they run into Messina, who's waiting there with a gun. Yes. Singer says, Beware Blue Ice wasn't about the book, it was about her. The big man walks up to try to settle Messina down, but she shoots him.
0: I don't know why.
1: She has Singer sit down and explains. The Bolgengelder was the only remnant from the first civilization, who left it behind as a, a form of power. She was born 300 years ago of that power, and ages one year for every 10 human years. She says that she appreciates what he did for her, but basically at this point the time is up. She says all she needs is the missing stone. She puts it in Mm. to the book. Yes. And then we cut to a bunch of flashing lights and fog, and we get an 80s music video.
0: Yeah. And she turns into uh, one of the aliens from Shining Sex.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of 80s electronica music blasting. Uh, And. Singer's reaching out towards Messina and she's just covered in glitter with a bunch of crazy 80s makeup on her face Uh and she's in this sheer white dress. We get a bunch of cuts to Messina earlier in the film and her in the present kind of just fondling herself. His eyes just kind of roll back as she's licking his fingers and there's a bunch of weird cuts and close-ups of eyes and mouths and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Then we get from the narration... Messina was gone, and the book with her. For some, she was the dream of immortality. To others, she was the kiss of death. To me, she was someone I could never forget. Maybe she'll turn up in 300 years' time. I've got some time. Besides, I always preferred older women. We see Ted in front of the Golden Gate Bridge at night. Then we cut to blue credits on a black background. That is the end of Blue Ice. All right. All right. Well, we're going to take our break and then we'll be back to wrap up our show talking a little bit more about Blue Ice.
0: enough to drink that i'm doing little moans
1: excellent well welcome back to the raincoat report where jeremy's doing little moans so this will be an interesting review to get through so why don't you go ahead and take it away jeremy and Mm -hmm. give your thoughts on (laughs) on blue
0: ice okay i can do that
1: moan your thoughts about blue ice
0: so say blue ice i'll start is a very ambitious film yeah uh, Conceptually It's probably one of the more Complex things I think we've covered Yeah Marshek seems to have Something of a, a taste For uh, epic Or films with an epic scope Yeah uh, If you go by this And Dracula sucks Yes Dracula sucks I had to think about All the Draculas for a second
1: You're thinking Dracula The dirty old man
0: No that one's great I would never speak a bad word About that film <laughs> But uh, a similar problem we see here is in Dracula sucks is that I feel like his uh, ambition kind of overreaches his like talent just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Particularly when it comes to like getting the film edited down into a final form where uh, things are coherent. Right. In a way that's completely satisfying because while I like a lot of this film, The story is kind of unsatisfying. It takes you a lot of places. It kind of abandons or doesn't really, I don't know, need to go. Yeah. Uh, Like, I'd say the majority of the stuff with Dottie and Johnny is kind of extraneous. Yeah. Like, it's there basically to put the book in his hands at the end. Right. But there are other ways that could have been achieved. I don't know. They just kind of felt like superfluous characters in a way that i just i don't know yeah i, just, I, they, I guess they humanize herschel savage's character a bit by giving him like friends and stuff but right he doesn't seem to particularly like either of them either <laughs> so i'm not it's sure true. what the point was he seemed it, you could have just focused on him being fixated on messina right but that said um as a nazi exploitation movie i think it's better than a uh, prisoner of paradise I could see that uh it's got a lot more uh on the ball as far as like the nazis actual goals and going a bit further with uh them doing like kind of like the pretty like light-hearted experiments but you know getting into that a little bit more right um than they did in that other film yeah that where, was more just uh hogan's heroes yeah this was more uh like you said before indiana jones uh inspired nazis right they're a little more fearsome uh i think performance wise uh everyone here does a good job yeah even though i think it's kind of pointless uh paul thomas is a good pathetic drunk yeah uh herschel makes a competent charming hero yeah and good everyman type all the nazis are pretty one note but they're all fine yeah uh seen as a babe Always good to see Jamie Gillis. Oh, and she can act too. She's a fine actress. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to just focus on just her looks, but I'm gonna. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Cinematography wise, uh, Ace Peacock did a fine job. I think the film looks good. There's a lot of interesting shots. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, just you know good imagery and stuff like uh, that moment at the end where it becomes an 80s music video like it looks nice yeah uh interesting locations overall yeah chosen uh i would say the thing that really brings it down in the end is it's kind of uh structural incoherence yeah uh just fairly minor because the story does get resolved in a way that's baffling but fairly satisfying yeah i would say it's kind of a Definitely a flawed film. Yeah. But also very enjoyable. Like, I wasn't, I was never bored. I was into the subject matter in general. Uh, I like that mix of uh, noir and uh, kind of a cult sort of thing. You don't get a ton of that normally. Yeah. Um, Especially in porn. Very unique film for this genre, I think. For Um, sure. That said, I think some of the weaknesses of it. Just are kind of hard to get over overall so i'm gonna give it a 3.5 it's above average mm-hmm. but i don't know if you'll find a uh more unique film but they're definitely better ones fair enough you know yeah In the overall uh, pantheon of pornography
1: yeah uh i would agree with you here uh this is a film that as you said, uh, is really ambitious in a lot of ways, and they cover a lot of things, but uh, it's certainly let down by the messiness. And I'm not sure if that messiness is at the writing level, at the directing level, at the editing level. I'm thinking it's a little bit in all three, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's probably not just the editing. There were probably some planning issues as far as how it was shot and how it was written
0: it just does yeah but it does seem like the kind of stuff some of it could have been fixed with a little bit more uh judicious editing at the end of it
1: for sure but mm. i'm i'm also curious though how much the film was fixed in the editing that's fair compared to how it was actually shot because there's so much plot given by Ted's voiceovers right that i mean it may have been designed that way from the get-go but there's all probably a lot of opportunities there to fix stuff that just wasn't shot for the film
0: sure absolutely cuz budget concerns you're not going to be able to get everything you want
1: right so i don't know it Regardless, I mean, the issue's there, obviously, so yeah. that's something that can't be overlooked. But there's a lot going on there. It's uh, There's a lot of creative stuff happening, and, uh, you know, it's a fun subject. There's a lot to like here. Uh, as you said, the performances are really good. The cast is good. Overall, there's there's enough going on here to keep you interested start to finish, that's mm-hmm. for sure and uh while it certainly has its failings it's overall a pretty good movie so i would also give it three and a half stars excellent um i do want to take a moment to double back a bit because i don't think i gave a rating to pretty peaches three
0: i was thinking that too
1: uh i gave it three stars mentally
0: okay which i think is
1: what you gave it
0: yeah you said yeah. you agreed with me, so people can infer that. And now, yeah. if they listen to this one and get this far, they'll know what you actually thought. Yeah, <laughs> um, a cliffhanger. Yeah, or those, first.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> was a real cliffhanger from last week. I'm sure that for the past seven days, our audience has been driven mad with expectations and I anticipation. Once
0: the DMs start rolling in, and they're like, "What? What number does Boss assign to this film?"
1: all right so now that everybody knows my ratings for last week and this week let's go ahead and wrap things up
0: all right i'm ready to go
1: all right well uh make sure to rate review and subscribe to our podcast tell your friends about it at at gmail.com is our email address uh raincoat at raincoat report on instagram and twitter uh, and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and following along with us. And uh, when you're out there in the field looking for the gelder, fighting Nazis, trying to stop 300-year-old women from gaining extraordinary occult power, uh, don't forget your raincoat. <laughs> Maybe she'll turn up
0: 300 years down the line. I've got some time. Besides, I always preferred older women.